Joining me now from Sports Illustrated and the Hockey News, it is David Alter covers the team. David, good afternoon. Thanks for joining the show today. Hey, no problem. You know, Kyle Dubas had that Kermit sipping tea as an yeah. avatar for quite a while on his Twitter account. Did Not he? Not that anymore. Oh, really? It was a while back, but it was for a long time. I now want to break into my Kermit the Frog impersonation, but I'm, I'm a, hi-ho, Kermit. No, 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 didn't have it. All right, David. <laughs> Um, I feel bad for Michael Bunting. His his job has always been be an agitator and try to keep up on the first line. And, you know, he, he's done that. And I, listen, I thought he deserved one game, like legit one game for that, that hit to the head. I thought the three-game suspension was a little much. But I do wonder, how much money do you think he's cost himself? Because he went from being this wild value for the Leafs, averaging over 50 points in the last two years, to where his future now feels much more murky. I actually don't think it'll cost him that much. And here's why. Yeah. I mean, Nazem Kadri is the perfect guy you can point to in that situation, right? Everyone's like, oh, how is he going to kind of recover from this? You know, people would rather have to not have to teach what Michael Bunting brings to the game after the fact when he already kind of has that and just rather kind of condition that and learn to tone it down. And so it took a little while, but Nazem Kadri found it. I don't really think it affected his ability to get any sort of contract in that regard. And Michael Bunting, you know, it's his second full year in the league. This was actually his first game one after missing game one last year with injury. So, you know, there was a lot of hype anticipation. He let the he let the moment get the better of him in, in that situation. And and uh, I think his agent and whatever he tries to go for after this year can kind of point to that and look at Nazem Kadri as an excellent example and point to some of the other things that he does well offensively that other playoff teams are probably going to be looking for because the standard of what we see in the playoffs in terms of the physicality, you look at what Florida's doing right now against Boston, teams are going to want that but the ability to provide offense to that, I don't think it's going to affect him that much. I thought uh, if we were going to do this Goldilocks and the three bears, I thought that uh, three games of the porridge is just too hot. Uh, I thought one, it was just right. Uh, But your thoughts on the length. Yeah. So look in a vacuum, I think it's a proper suspension in a vacuum, but the problem is the NHL department of player safety has kind of been pretty loose when it comes to the standard of these types of things. I thought at most it would be two after it was learned that Chernak was not going to play in game two and did suffer an injury in, in the series. Usually an injury packs on to what they look for in discipline. They ask for the records when they're doing the hearing and all that other stuff. So I thought it would be one for the infraction, another for the injury max. To see it go three was a bit of a surprise to me just because you look at other hits, especially in the regular season, when those games mean more, usually that's like a two-game suspension uh, for, for someone if it, doesn't, if it doesn't result in injury, sometimes three in the regular season, and we've seen one. So for the playoffs, with the magnitude of what the playoffs means, I was a little surprised that they went as high as three. It's it's always hard to give a an accurate answer to this, but just your own thoughts. You're around the team every day. Uh, what's the mood been the last 36 hours or so? I get the sense that it has been pretty tight. I mean, how can it not be? Um, this was not what they expected. 
I think they were a little bewildered from game one. I do think they are motivated to come out with a hotter start and at least set the tone. Um, I, I, I get the sense that a lot of players just didn't feel like they, they, they quite understood why they were so tentative in that first 10 minutes. And, you know, some of the things I heard floating around was just how long they had been waiting that the whole narrative, just wait for the playoffs, just kind of seeped in. And all these games that were not really meaningful games, having locked into Tampa for so long, there was just this buildup that when it came to showtime, they were trying to read the situation and, and do the things that, that were successful. But they, they just kind of sat back. And uh, it was weird to see from the game one. Uh, and I think that now that they know that this really is a must-win game for them in terms of the tone that was set, I expect they'll be aggressive, even if it, makes, it means making a mistake. I think that's better for them than what they actually did the other night. And I get the sense that players are going to want to come out and do that. But it, uh, I got the sense that it's, it's pretty tight, but they know what's at stake as well. That was a shocking first 10 minutes in game one, wasn't it? Yeah. No, it, it really was. Yeah. Um, I, I, I didn't expect – I didn't expect after what I saw from the regular season that the Leafs would have such a difficult time breaking out the puck, connecting short passes, and just allowing Tampa to swarm them in those opening 10 minutes. It seemed like that was happening, and then when the Leafs did have the puck, they were almost too urgent with it just trying to fire the puck at the net and do something with the minimal time that they have instead of being patient once they had possession and start breaking things out and, and doing set plays to get uh, higher quality scoring chances. I didn't see that. It was a bit of a surprise um, and really a wake-up call for the Maple Leafs that, that uh, they're playing against a team that knows how to flip the switch despite how that team was playing going into the end of the regular season where Toronto has not learned and has demonstrated over the last few years now to know where that switch is and when to turn it on uh, to bring out their best effort in these really highly mean, highly meaningful games. Like the the fear that I think a lot of Leaf fans have and sort of the more jaded ones is is you do begin to wonder does this group, this particular group when they're all together, maybe if they all went in four separate corners of hockey throughout the NHL, there'd be more success. But there feels like there's something with this group when they are together that there's just something missing with them when the playoffs start. When and and you know they they won game one last year, but we know what they were like in game sixes and sevens, and and game six and seven against Boston, and game five against Columbus, and game five, six, and seven against against Montreal. Like Dave, there's this, there's this. I don't know, this little bit of fear that's in my brain and heart that, that it's growing. I'm like, is there just something wrong when you get this particular group all together in the postseason? I think if they lose and they don't lose, or if they do lose badly in this game, I think it's a fair question to ask. Like, I was surprised in game one, even though it was out of reach down four, I thought there'd be some urgency in the third period to send some sort of message to the opposition that it was going to be different for, for game two. And I didn't see that. Like I watched the Boston Florida game last night, there's similar lopsided score late and it got to the point where the officials didn't even play out the final three seconds. Cause they were worried about what was going to happen on the ice. Right. And I didn't, I didn't see that same kind of fire from the Leafs. I just kind of saw they're just kind of playing out this, the stretch and was just, 
really kind of a sad game by the end of it. And uh, that, that question that you pose about if it's these group of players, you have to look at the core four guys. I think in the past, you know, last year, game six was so close. Austin Matthews scores that, that goal that, that goes off the post. We're talking about a different thing here. But the longer this goes, you have to start asking about the core guys. That's really what it comes down to. And those guys, like the Marners and the Matthews, have to be game breakers in situations where you need them the most. And just at times, it just hasn't happened for them. And so uh, this, this is a game where one of those guys really has to step up and kind of make some sort of statement that they're, they're here in this series to stay. And um, if they don't, then it, it could be really bad news because I don't see a path for the Maple Leafs going down 2 nothing in this series and winning out to kind of come back. Stranger things have happened, but yeah. losing the first two at home against, against a team that's been in the finals three times, that, that's a tall ask. Nothing like a Game 7, but it's a Game 2. Um, we're joined by David Alter, covers the Toronto Maple Leafs for SI.com, Hockey News. Also check out uh, the Rinkwide Toronto podcast. Uh, Dave, I believe that even if Matt Murray was healthy, that Samsonov deserves the start tonight, even after a poor showing in Game 1. I think Samsonov has earned the right to redeem himself. So I'm curious your thoughts. So uh, I agree with you on that. Although it's really kind of hard to know because for the same things that the Ottawa Senators said about Matt Murray, you can say the Toronto Maple Leafs can say about Matt Murray is that he just hasn't been available, right? Like if if Matt Murray was playing well going into the regular season, the end of the regular season, maybe not as good as Samsonov, but to the point where Samsonov earned Game One and what had transpired had occurred, and Matt Murray was healthy and available and played okay. I think they would have made that switch. I'm not saying I would have agreed with it, but I do think that they would have made that switch because the whole reason they got him was for that playoff experience because you just never know. At times, he, he has just shown this ability where he's been able to go on a run. So uh, I, I think Samsonov deserves another kick at the can, and uh, he's performed really well this season. His playoff inexperience, or let, he has experience, but just having one win in nine appearances certainly is problematic when you look at it in a bubble, especially after what transpired on Tuesday. Um, but um, yeah, I, I do think he deserved it. But if Matt Murray was actually playing well and uh, was available to them, I wouldn't have been at all surprised to see Matt Murray going in that for game two. Dave, really appreciate, and I hope your headlines tomorrow are filled with joy and goodness <laughs> versus what the last two days have been. I think the city can use it because it just everyone just seems so dreary. And then during the game, I'm getting texts from casually fan friends of mine that I just don't hear from during the regular season. <laughs> I know. And then, and then I see those. I'm like, oh, boy, it's starting. Oh, yeah. It just kind of felt like that. So, yeah, I hope so. I got, my, I got my WhatsApp groups as well, like people I haven't talked to in ages. And then just the swears, the fear, the, <laughs> the self-loathing, it all starts to come out. All the best, Dave. Thanks for joining the show today. Uh, you, you got it, Matthew. Thank you. Take care.